everyone, and welcome to the Intralingo World Lit Podcast. I'm Lisa Carter, founder and creative director of Intralingo, offering wholehearted explorations of life through stories. Today, I'm so pleased to present a conversation that I had with two members of Wayfarer's book club, as well as the translator, Curtis Bauer, who translated the novel Home Reading Service by Fabio Morabito, published by Other Press. It was a wide-ranging conversation, as these things always are. We talked about the social commentary in this novel from Mexico, Fabio's predilection for oddities and irony, humor in his work, and of course, poetry. Both Fabio and Curtis are poets, and this particular novel revolves around a poem. We talk a lot about the transformational power of poetry and prose, and I sincerely hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening. Good. Well, thanks again so much for being here. My pleasure. It's really, really special. Um, yeah, so I've, I have so many questions, so I'll just start with a few, and then of course Heidi and Kathy are going to jump in, and anyone else who's able to join us, but um, I think probably the first one I want to talk to you about in particular, Curtis, is this whole notion of poetry, so Fabio is a poet, you are a poet, the novel revolves around a poem by Isabel Freire. Yeah. And, you know, what, what is it that you think that you particularly as a poet, as a translator, brought to the novel and the translation? And, and how did poetry just sort of weave into all of this for you beyond the obvious? Yeah, fantastic question. Um, but a really difficult one, I suppose, to answer, <laughs> you know, I mean, to think of... <laughs> I guess I guess the the big part of it is is just the fact that I gave more attention to the to the fact that the book does revolve around this poem and this poet. Uh, you know, I I'm extremely lucky to have a relationship with Fabio where I can write him and ask him questions and we can talk about these things and. Um, we talked about Isabel Freire's poem, but also her work, and and um, he he's a huge fan of her of her poetry, and and feels like she doesn't hasn't received or hadn't received the attention she deserved. And uh, he came across this poem, and that's I mean it, it's a really central part of the novel, but it's also one of the catalysts for the novel. Uh, that it's something that he thought, you know, here I am reading this, but it's also here, here it is. It's something that was in his mind, just as it's in Eduardo's, right? Or, you know, the other, and his father, and, you know, all of these characters where they've got this poem, not only on the mind, but also, as we say in English, you know, you learn it by heart, you know, there it is, mm -hmm. it's inside and they're reciting it. Um, and the translation of it evolved over the many drafts of the book where, where I had an early draft that, you know, was completely different. And then I kept changing it. And what I, I mean, we can, maybe you'll want to talk about this later on, but part of my process mm -hmm. is to just kind of move through and, and, 
and not look back, especially in early drafts. So if something is changing, I'm not really thinking about it. So that was really kind of enlightening to me to think of the different ways that I translated this poem, where, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it also helped me arrive at a, a final draft of it, right? So, um, and then other press, they're, they're fantastic. You know, they put the, they put the poem in, in bilingual in the back, as well as yes. the, another one. Um, so they're aware as well as of the poetics, you know, of how significant it is for Fabio to have these poems in there and to just be thinking of how, you know, and I think that this comes out in the novel where it's important to read poems out loud. Right. So here we are, you know, you've got this main character who is reading this poem out loud and he can read the poem, recite the poem and he changes. And yeah. and when he's reading prose, he's, uh, you know, a total schmuck. He just can't get anything. You know, he's just like he doesn't care yeah. what he's reading. Um, and, you know, when I write poems, I read them out loud. When Fabio writes them, he, you know, of course he's, he's listening to the rhythms, listening to the cadence, to the, to rhymes and so on. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of giving you a whole lot there to think about, but, but that's definitely, you know, things that were in my mind. And then thinking about that poem of always working on trying to tweak it and tighten it up you know, across the drafts, across the book, um, in that poem in particular. But then the, the Italian poet, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Rodari, is that the, yeah. where, mm -hmm. where, you know, it's recited to the, to the, to the deaf family, right? To exactly. those, right. Mm -hmm. um, that poem is incomplete in the Spanish. Okay. It's in the Spanish version of the book. There, there are fragments of it. And, and it's a little, you know, you can get the gist of it, but I talked to Fabio about putting the whole poem in there in the, in the English, uh, in the English version of this so that you could see the rhyme scheme and you could think about the cadence there and the, the musicality that's coming out so that you could understand why those kids are moving their feet and moving their bodies. Um, in that poem, I, instead of the Spanish, I translated it from the Italian, right? So okay. I went to the, Beautiful. to the original and translated it that way. Nice. Yeah, there, there is a lot there. I want to pick up on a few things for sure. Sure, sure, sure <laughs> I sure. can see Kathy's eyes too there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I also totally appreciated that other press included the original poems and translation at the end, well, as well as the second poem by Freire. I, I translate Spanish as well. And so I was, I never looked it up, but I was so glad to have it there and just mm -hmm. be able to read it in the original since I could. Yeah. And she's, she's not easy to find. She has been translated into English, but it was a long time ago. And, you know, a, a little anecdote about all of this, you know, Fabio published the, this novel in Mexico and it's available across the Americas, but uh, he didn't really get in touch with the Friday family you know okay. to get permission about it yes. and so when you know other press is really particular about copyrights and you know just going through and doing fact checking they you know their editors are fantastic 
so we ended up, you know, he ended up contacting, um, I don't know if, I guess, Isabel's nephew, maybe, and he gave permission, you know, he was, he loved to see the, the, the poems in this novel. And then I got in touch with him because I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe we need a new translation of, of some of these Friday poems. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've got so many different projects going. So if you're interested, you know, that may be something that you want to do as translators, uh, or if you're just the only translator here, but to think about how, you know, fortunately, this novel opened up a new poet to me. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, and I think to a lot of people, because I know even after, especially after seeing the poems at the end, I went and looked her up to try to mm -hmm. find more of her poems and, and it's, they're not that readily available. Right. So, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it, it, just the poetry also in the novel to me is also in the prose because it is very, it's very tight. It's very compact. It's very, um, you know, there's that subtle undertone to it of the irony and the humor. Um, did you read the whole translation out loud or only parts of it? No, I read the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I've read, yeah, uh, many times, right? So yes. it's, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I started translating poetry. So I kind of, I guess, created a habit that way of how I translate. Uh, I tend to write first drafts by hand, and then the second, second and third draft are the transcription into my computer. Um, and so, you know, I wrote the novel by hand, <laughs> right? And, cool. then, and then I then another another version, and another version, in, in all. I think there were nine, eight or nine drafts of this. So, you know, each time I read it in Spanish and I was reading my English and laughing and thinking, oh, I find this really exciting and tension grabbing or, you know, attention grabbing and, you know, creation of tension. I found it, you know, that it was repeated across across the multiple readings. And mm -hmm. I think that that I mean, I felt really good about the translation in that sense where I was finally getting it to to as close to Fabio's Spanish as I could. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And this is not the first book that you've worked on with Fabio. You've worked with him before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you already had that sort of, you know, relationship and yeah. working. Yeah. yeah, I started translating. I met him in, um, in 2015. I was in Buenos Aires for sabbatical. And I had kind of promised myself that I wasn't going to translate anything. I was just going to work on my own poems and essays. And I came across his book, um, El Idioma Materno, right, uh, which I've translated as Mother Tongue, in a bookshop, you know, founded. And if you're familiar with uh, Argentina, books are really expensive in Argentina. So I was, I, I was always reluctant to buy books. But that was one that I thought, oh, God, I have to have this. And, and I, I just, I fell in love with it immediately. And my wife, 
you know, convinced me to write him and say, you know, can I translate you? I mean, here I am, I'm just writing him out of the blue. And he wrote back and said, who are you? What, you know, why more or less, you know, what would you do with it? So I sent him a sample and kind of a, a kind of biography of, of work that I'd translated at that time and thoughts on where I would try and publish it. And he said, that sounds great. Sure. I'm going to be in Buenos Aires for the book fair in a couple of months. Let's meet. And, you know, we had the great, I had the great fortune of, of meeting him and, um, and, you know, he dedicated my book to my wife instead of to me, because he said, you know, because of you, you know, Curtis is translating me um, and they, you know, they love each other. They're, they're, they're yes. great. But, but the, you know, really the, the lucky thing that I have with Fabio is that I can be in touch with him. You know, I can, I write him and, you know, we correspond and, you know, we've been kind of going back and forth recently about this new book of his that's out. Um, he loves, I mean, that, I don't, if you're, if you're not familiar with Mother Tongue, um, no. it hasn't been published yet, the, the whole book, but a number of the pieces, you can find them. If you just do a Google search, Fabio Moravito, Curtis Bauer translator, you'll find them kind of across, across the internet. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And I've That's... got, they in other press, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but um, other press has uh, a book of his short stories, you know, I, which I finished, it's called Mothers and Dogs, uh, which should be out next year, I think. Excellent. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I look forward to reading more of his work for sure in yeah. your translation. Yeah. I, and I just have to say, Curtis, I have almost the identical story from my very first book of translations mm -hmm. was I found a book, read it, fell in love with it, felt I had to translate this. I had to find a way and my partner said to me, write, write the author. What have you got to lose? Yeah. Write the author. And yeah. that's what I did. So yeah. yeah. Who, who is the author? Who is um, the... That was Edmundo Pasoldan from oh Bolivia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. So so great. You have great. to take the leap, right? You have to jump you in and do. Drive. Exactly. And when a book impacts you that way, as yeah. these books do, you know, that's um, what better thing to spur you on to, to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. Totally, totally agree. Good. Well, I'm going to open it up with Kathy and Heidi. Anything you've heard so far? Anything else? Let's let's keep it going here. I was I was just curious actually. This is kind of a question for both of you since you both started found the author and then the publisher. How did you find the publisher? Um for me it was a long process because and it didn't actually even happen with the with the novel right I, I mean i started sending work out you know query letters out with with mother tongue and you know a number of people were interested in you know one press actually uh said you know we want to think about it a while longer so you know if anything comes up let us know first and we'll we'll give our decision Fabio sent me Mothers and Dogs, the book of short stories, Madres y Perros. And then he also sent me the novel, you know, Elector a Domicilio, and, and said, why don't, you, why don't you work on these, you know, in the meantime? And um, 
so I I translated I think the first chap maybe the first 20 pages of the novel and a couple of the short stories from the book of short stories and gave them to his agent um and then his agent got in touch with other press and other press then you know asked to see asked to see my my samples love them and the if you're if i mean i think other press is a fantastic press and judith gerwich is you know a great publisher she had read fabio in french translation immediately fell in love with him so she wanted to see the english english samples everything that i had and said okay yeah let's just go and you know the rest is history mm. what about you lisa how did you yeah very similar the 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 book i fell in love with first was amores imperfectos and it's um you know flash fiction mm. um, which we published a couple of those in different journals um and then same thing edmundo's agent you know when i wrote edmundo same thing he was like okay well let's talk about this and yeah, yeah. um i had just come back to canada and he was just over the border in new york state in ithaca so i was able to drive down and get to know him a little bit and we decided to you know try and collaborate together and then it was his agent who was pitching his latest book which was a novel um and again i did a sample for that um i did go into competition uh, the agent found um Hofton Mifflin as a publisher. They wanted another translator, um, Edmundo and Leila, you know, hoped I would be the translator. I went into competition for that um, and did get it. So great, great, great. So, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, just beautiful synchronicities and mm -hmm. a lot of support. Like it took a whole team, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, really to make it happen, which I think is true a lot of the time for yeah. Yeah. our translation. And and I think also it sounds like you had a relationship, you know, with mm -hmm. Edmundo and, and the yeah. same thing with Fabio where where you know he's he's putting my name out there as the translator, right? And yeah. saying I, I want Curtis to translate this. And exactly. yeah, that helps. That helps a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it makes a difference, you know, when when you have such a good working relationship, it makes a difference to the work. So. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to ask about one word. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, not that question. <laughs> no, no, it's because I didn't know the word. And yeah. it it's in the poem. It's in the main bit. Lowering. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and I was so curious because it stopped oh. me in the tracks. And I'm not, I'm not, a, I do. I'm primarily an interpreter, a Spanish English uh, interpreter. I do some translating as well, which I love, but nothing to do with poetry. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I'm yeah, a yeah. when it comes to how it works in yeah. that aspect. But that yeah. word, I, I'm just super curious, and I would love to hear your thinking process around it. Well, as I had mentioned, it, you know, and I have to, I'm, I'm going to admit to you that I don't have the English version with me. <laughs> I've got the Spanish version. So okay. I'm, I'm trying to find the poem here in the Spanish. Oh, and I'm, I can find it. And, um, but I'm, that was a word that, that, uh, 
that I made the final decision in the final edits, right? There were, there were multiple other possibilities. And I love the sound yeah. of that word. I love the sound of it. And I, and it, and it's, it's one of those words that I just feel like it, it captures the mood in a particular tone of the poem and the a kind of oddity that's also there. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to stick with this. And, and I remember the, not Judith, but my editor at other press saying, okay, you're, this is okay. Right. I mean, this, we're going to stick with this. And I said, yeah, let's, let's stick with this word. I mean, Heidi, I don't even know if you know, you, you know I know some Spanish. I, I'm a translator too. I translate from German. Okay. Um, but I, I do know a bit of Spanish. I, I taught English in Mexico for many, okay. many years ago, and I learned okay. a bit of Spanish while I was there. So I can kind of read it, but I can't really, I wouldn't say I'm fluent. This, yeah. Just to put it in context, it, it, it's just it, the one line that I jotted down. It's, tu piel que tiene brillos de mandolín turbia. Your skin with its lowering, lowering mandolin mm -hmm. brilliance. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. that, that's line, and it comes up so often. But I just yeah. like whoop whoop. Yeah. yeah. So is yeah. that is that the mind of a poet then that that has access to vocabulary like that, like somebody who do, regularly does the New York Times crossword puzzle and knows that they always use these particular little words? I guess I guess that's it. I mean, I I mean, I I have a process that you know I'm I always assume that every translator does the same thing, but that's not the case, obviously, because we all write differently. We all acquire languages differently. But when I translate, I give myself full freedom to just put every possible word there, right? So, um, uh, and then in the next draft, I start to cross those possibilities off because, oh, this one isn't going to work because it doesn't sound right. Maybe the meaning is close, but the mm -hmm. sound is way off. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a, you know, it's a, a multi-syllabic word, and you know, there's a certain rhythm to the sentence. And I, you know, and the English po one English possibility is monosyllabic, and it's really stressed. It's really strong, and I don't want that. So even though that might be the closest in meaning or sense that isn't necessarily it, right? I think that the sound and the sense are going to go together. And, um, you know, thinking about that, tu piel como sábanas de arena y sábanas de agua en remolino, tu piel que tiene brillos de mandolina turbia, tu piel, right? So there's a certain rhythm that's, that's being, right? Um, that's created and, and it felt, felt right. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's a, that's, that's it's one of those really cloudy, cloudy, nebulous responses, but it's like, oh, it felt good. It felt, yeah, it's right. It's the word. I don't know. Heidi, Lisa, do you do poetry translation? Either of you? No. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I've tried. I've, a whole other I've, yeah, I yeah. was asked by a, by a songwriter once to translate some of his, um, his lyrics and we ended up my brother-in-law is also a songwriter. I ended up just kind of doing it and then giving it to him and he kind of rewrote them because mm -hmm. I just found it. I found it's, I found it 
just not, I guess, just not something that, that I can do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just trying, got too hung up on what, what it was meaning and not so much on the, you know, all the other things that go along with, with the sounds and the rhythm and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like being a sailmaker, like us being a sailmaker and then being asked to make a wedding dress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, you're, you're working with fabric, right. And string and, yeah. and that's about it. <laughs> that's about how, how close they are. But, but I think, you know, um, you know, we've got poetry around us all the time. And when, you know, when we think about, when we think about, the the normal cadence of of our everyday speech i think that that's something that we need to listen to or that i i need to listen to so i'm thinking okay well how does this sound does it sound natural does it sound natural in spanish or does it sound like capital p poetry in spanish you know what are the what are the different tonal qualities to you know to keep in mind and and then also thinking of how does that all fit with the context of the novel, right? This is a poem that has captivated this main character and it captivated his father and it captivated, you know, the, the, the maid or the, you know, the help helper and, and one of the women he's, that he reads to, I mean, and, and then, you know, all of the audience, you know, at the, at the soiree that, you know, so it's like everyone who hears the poem is taken, taken in and they're, they're drawn into, you know, something about it. And I think that there's a certain mystery there. And then, you know, so getting back to that question about that word, maybe that's also something that entered into my decision of, you know, that's not a very common word. So there's some mystery to that. Right. Yeah. Well, that in itself is worth this whole visit for me. Oh, great, great, <laughs> great, great. I love hearing that. I'm learning about knowing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I was wondering too, just about this whole, you know, the, the book is, it, it, it's a social commentary about Mexico, about, you know, the city of Cuernavaca, this whole notion of people behind their walls and a city that has more pools than it does soul. And, you know, the, that prose is so robotic, can be so robotic, but poetry can capture. But then poetry can also be sort of that upper echelon theatrical showy, you know, facade as well that happens in the book. And I was just curious if you knew how, I certainly know the book is incredibly well received in Mexico. It won a, you know, a major literary prize. Um, But I just wondered if you have any insight into, you know, how that part of it was received, you know, that commentary about about the city, about the culture that this, you know, sort of. Um... That's a that's a question I don't know, and that would mm. have been great for for Fabio to be here to answer. I mean, I can mm. I can ask him and and see, but just 
if you're familiar with his work, um, you'll know, you'll realize that this is some, it's a new direction. You know, okay. his work doesn't usually make that kind of social commentary. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that his stories are light because they're not. I mean, they, they touch on some really serious issues, but the, but the issue of, let's say, narcos, of, uh, yeah. you know, of just the fact that, um, you know, having to live with that kind of violence and the normalization of that violence isn't something that is so, so common in his work. And for him to be speaking out in such a way, I think is significant. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and that I think is, it can be really, I would say that, that that's something that would be interesting to readers in the US and Canada and other English speaking countries to be thinking of our understanding of you know, what's it like to live in Mexico, right? I mean, we, we look at it from north of the border, let's say, yeah. and here you've got someone who's living there, having to deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis and, and feeling, well, okay, how am I going to survive? What kind of uncertainty do I have to deal with all the time? And, and then just, you know, trying to get by and trying to be professional and and legit and all of this right and yeah and care for a father and and mourn a father you know that you don't really know so all of these things i think are are significant but but i think the social commentary is really important has has its weight there and that's probably one of the reasons that it that it did so well in mexico mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it's particular to Mexico either. You know, right. certainly we can read that here and I, I could certainly relate, you know, the whole mm -hmm. consumerism culture versus a culture that is vested in art and literature or, mm -hmm. you know, certainly some things are different, but um, a lot of it was, was again, just a, a comment on humanity maybe at this mm -hmm. point in its mm -hmm. history and sure. Uh, sure. you know how poetry does touch the heart can touch it you know and uh, and change us and change us right because mm -hmm. it, it changes everyone in the book really the, everyone who is touched by that poem i think undergoes some kind of change some kind of transformation mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's expressed so subtly, mm. you know, like it, it is there, but, but it's not, um, we're not bashed over the head with that, you right. know, which is right. again, the beauty of art. <laughs> right, right, right. And when they try, when, when you are bashed over the head with it in the novel, it's like, oh, oh my God. Okay. This is what I hate about you know, capital P poetry, let's say, you know, the, yes. the recitation of that poem, you know, the drama, the dramatic reading, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I laughed every time I got to that in my revision, just thinking of the, the commentary on those different, uh, what, readers or presenters yes. at the final <laughs> swar, or not at the final one, but at the penultimate one. At right? the one at the home. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I love that. <laughs> yeah, that really was like watching it on television. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Curtis, you do a lot of things. You teach, you write prose, poetry, you translate. I do, yeah. Does it, do you need it? What, what, what pulls at you most? To, what, what, what are you always having to go, okay, I gotta put that aside for a little bit because I have to get to this. I mean, what's, or is it just the, the fabric of the whole of the combination? Um. You know, that's a that's a question that you're, you've posed that question in a new way to me, which is I appreciate because usually people will ask, how do those two poetry, you know, my own writing and translation coincide, which which do which way do I lean? Right. And, you know, of all of the things, those two fit together, they're woven together. And it's something that I'm always working on, whether I'm writing my own work or I'm translating. Um, you know, I am a teacher. I teach at the university and I try, what I've learned to do in my teaching is um, incorporate my own work. You know, what I'm thinking about in my mm -hmm. translations into my classes so that when I teach a poetry workshop, I'm thinking about, okay, what am I reading? What are some questions that I've got about my own poems that I can talk about with that workshop? Because I'm using it as well, kind of as my yeah, own yeah. workshop. And then in translation as well, where whether I'm translating a book of poems or I'm translating prose, maybe I'll focus that particular seminar or that whole semester long course, we're just going to focus on prose this semester because I'm translating a novel or I'm translating a book of short stories and thinking about narrative and thinking about, okay, you know, character development, even though characters are already developed, right? And I'm, I'm bringing them into English. I, I still have to think about how that works, right? Yeah. Um, so, so uh, getting back to your question, I sometimes get so caught up in my own work that the I have to think, okay, I need to come back to the teaching and I need to think of, you know, what am I sharing with, with my students and how, how is all of this a teaching moment, let's say. Um, so, so that's something that I need to bring back. It's not that I need to push away. And I think that, that uh, I'm always trying to get through a project and something that I have some trouble with is maybe taking on too many projects. So I have to kind of put things aside where, you know, like we said, you fall in love with a book, you read something new and say, oh, this hasn't been translated yet. But I've also come to realize I'm not the only translator in the world, right? <laughs> I mean, I can tell my friends and say, hey, you know, Isabel Freire needs to be translated into English. I just can't do that. And there she is for the world to see. And there are plenty of writers out there that I, you know, I'm, I act as a kind of agent, I suppose, in a way for them and say, hey, I know these translators, let me put you in touch. And why did you feel the need, going back to your first answer to the question, um, long answer to Lisa's first question, where you convinced Fabio to let you put the whole thing in the English, but he only had fragments in the Spanish. Mm -hmm. Why did, did it not have the 
I felt like there were there were some gaps. There were some gaps in the where I have to. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the situation where where he's he's reading the poem and then he's looking at the kids, mm -hmm. right? And then he reads, looks at the kids to see their reaction. And I didn't feel like the the Spanish, you know, what he had was enough to kind of generate that response from the kids. So I added a little bit more to it, you know, like the, the really funny parts that I thought were, you know, were missing that would really capture the ear and the body movement of these kids. So I made sure that those were in there. And sorry. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, so you think that he did a poor job in that part of the book? Oh, oh. <laughs> so this is, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. That's why Fabio wanted to be here, Curtis. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I know it. I know I'm it. asking. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you think he could have done, a, maybe, you think he could have done more in that part? You know, I'm not going to answer that question. Um, I, what I'm going to say is that I feel like there was enough in the Spanish that to like to give the gesture of it. That's right? what I was wondering. That's right? There's enough. There's enough. I mean, it's not that okay. that it works in it, Spanish. It, it works in Spanish. Okay. It works in Spanish, but I, I, and maybe it's because of the you know how close it is you know, the, the Spanish and, you know, where the rhyme is a little bit more implicit, you know, in the, in that, in the poem, whereas in the English, my English translation of it, I don't, I felt like maybe it's more of my lack, right, where mm -hmm. I needed more to support that scene, okay. you know, so I added more of the poem. So English needed more to have the yeah. same effect as the Spanish. My English, my English <laughs> translation. More. Not English Spanish. in general, right? My English oh, translation. Very good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're really putting me on the hot seat here, which is which I totally appreciate. I totally appreciate. That's so great. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find where that is in the Spanish version and um i'll i'll kind of keep thinking about mm. it here if you've got another question yeah like i have a question for all three of you um so i eduardo and i i put this in my in my email to you to everyone in wayfarers but eduardo is so detached you know like we don't get his backstory and we know he loves his father and in fact, he loves his father a lot because at one point he's almost, you know, he says to his sister, well, wouldn't it be better if he were just dead because of the pain he's going through with bone cancer, but he doesn't have friends and he falls in love with Margot, but there's still this distance and, you know, probably his the closest people from his sisters quite close but the other closest people are the waitresses in the Sanborns and you know there's this detachment this distance this yeah distance and so I didn't really like Eduardo but I didn't dislike Eduardo mm -hmm. 
there's a, I have this very ambivalent or conflicted relationship actually with Eduardo <laughs> as the protagonist. And I just wonder what your experience of all three of you of Eduardo was. I think that we know Eduardo basically from the point where he had his unfortunate accident. We don't know before, and he it talks about how he lost friends dropped off from then. And there seem to be parallels. He doesn't, he's digging into the past, wondering about his father's past. I don't know. We only know him from that point in his life forward, and he's lost a lot. I don't know. That's just a mm -hmm. an impression. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I actually liked him. I mm. I I did like him. I oh. thought that he was very sympathetic. Um, there were times when I wanted to shake him, <laughs> because, yeah. but you know, I feel that way about my sister sometimes, you know, it's not mm -hmm. something that, that I don't like him because there were times when I just thought you, you guess you shouldn't be doing this. I mean, you can, yeah. um, but I, I thought he was a, it, it didn't, it didn't even really occur to me that, that there was no backstory to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even notice that. Yeah. I kept thinking we were going to hear details of the acts of, of whatever he was, the crime he was accused of committing through that accident. Yeah. I expected that as well by the time, you know, I thought we're going to find out what that is by the time we get to the end of the novel. And I'm so happy that it didn't come. Right. Mm -hmm. It just seemed to make total sense. And that these, yeah these brothers they know in theory they know what he did and no one else does right <laughs> mm. i mean i i i think eduardo's a total asshole but i really like him right <laughs> and i i just felt like maybe there's a little bit of eduardo in all of us you know and he's just mm. allowing stuff to come out where he's saying you know i don't understand a thing that i read i'm just doing this because i have to and that says something about his character. But then there's this thing with his father. He loves his sister, but he can't understand his relation, her relationship with, with Father Clark. You know, and the Father Clark, I mean, who is that guy? You know, he's the exactly. like bizarre American, you know. And, and, and then Margot, he falls in love with her, but he can't there's this like but she's older and she's in a wheelchair and you know what's that and then her maid you know how does what happens mm. there and why is that and the, so and then you know really these mother figures who are the waitresses at, at Sanborns right they it's like they care he he says at one point you know I grew up with them they they mm -hmm. saw me all the time with my father and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's there's plenty there about him, plenty there not to like, but then, you know, there's this transformation. Here's this guy who, who finds this poem and he thinks, what, why do I, is, is this a good poem? That whole part, you know, what makes a good poem and what makes a, a bad one? And the fact that his father wrote it down, he's thinking, oh God, my father's a poet. But then he sees that it's someone else and he, he feels, you know, oh, he's relieved because his father isn't a poet. He just copied something down, right? Yeah. And 
and then that sparks this other side. Um, and he's this character that people care for, ultimately, right? I mean, his sister cared for him. She knew the whole time that 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 her father that that his father, or no, she knew the whole time that they were paying these bribes, right? And he was trying to protect her, yes. right? And yeah, so he's totally oblivious, you know. And that I think that's most explicit when he doesn't know that he's he's reading to a deaf family, right? <laughs> it takes him a while to figure out that that this family exactly. is deaf. Yeah. yeah. But then there's those those questions you have, like two questions that have just come up. There's the 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 bank employee Rosario who he mm -hmm. waits tries to wait out and is constantly sort of mentioning when he goes to the bank and she she somehow she just wants to keep her hands washed of them. That's a curious little side thing. Yeah. And then the yep. deaf family where they're not really all deaf, but they live deaf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like the ventriloquist brothers, there's, right. there's little oddities. Yeah. yeah. Which Everywhere. Is, which is, which is totally Morabito, right? That's, that's okay. Fabio. I mean, that, if you, like, when you read his other stories and, you know, these pieces from, from Mother Tongue, that's, that's what he, that's what he loves, right? Just the odd occurrences in everyday life, that that's a reality, but it's a reality that, you know, oftentimes isn't written about or isn't talked about or focused on, right? There, it's the huge drama that gets all the attention rather than the little ones. The fact that there are these two bachelor brothers who live together and they're just totally playing this guy, right? <laughs> I mean, they're enjoying every minute of that. And that, you know, the, the maid lies to him. You know, what's that all about? You know, who's being manipulated there, right? You know, who's in the power situation or the, what kind of power dynamic is that? And then um, I'm totally drawing a blank. I've got too many other things. The the mate or not, you know, she's the nurse. Uh, Celeste. Celeste. Uh, you Celeste. Know, yeah. Celeste is just, she's this character who suddenly is in control of everything. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was, to me, it was so intriguing too that she was almost underwent a personality shift when she was outside the home yeah. compared to when she was in the home yeah yeah, yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know the whole thing with the oil right where yeah. she, like, the lotion that like she just turns it like, she starts giving everyone a massage <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. yeah i mean it just cracked me up all this stuff going on and trying to keep it straight and celeste is just like this you know, you think, you know, she's illiterate, doesn't, you know, have any power at all. And ultimately she's the one who, who makes decisions. Mm -hmm. Somebody who in most circumstances would go unseen. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly look what we see. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's the savior of these old men, you know? of Eduardo's father, you know, and the colonel, then the colonel, right? Yeah, yeah, and Eduardo. Yeah. And know, Eduardo, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah.
Yeah. And ultimately, you know, Eduardo, he is a hero. He is the hero of the story, not just because he's the protagonist, but it is incredibly selfless what he does for the deaf children to make the parents understand that the kids aren't deaf and can go to school and can live, you know, a hearing life while still interacting with the deaf family. And in the bookstore, the tragic end where he is physically, literally the hero who, you know, saves the front row from from disaster. Yeah. He's this unsuspecting hero, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Juxtaposition to the man who did something so spontaneously, just sort of inappropriate with the little girl under the table, Yes, not terrible, mm. but not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. And those scenes, you know, you think, you know, how is this going to be received in the U.S. Right, but also, you know, how is it received in Mexico? Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it yeah. says a lot about the character that he doesn't understand that it's inappropriate. Yeah, right. I mean, that says a lot about Eduardo, and I mean the. You know, even what's going in his mind, going through his mind when, you know, he's he's in Margot's house, she's not there, he's drinking tequila with the maid, and he sees her naked, and he's thinking, do I have sex with her, do I not, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, his head, I mean, he just start all of this stuff, right, totally inappropriate, yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, but then, he gets out of it somehow and you think well that's why he had this accident i mean something he did something that was probably yeah. totally inappropriate right right yeah. i think also that's ultimately why we don't really care that much at the end specifically what it is because we've seen all these other little things <laughs> going along throughout the book and and so we we get a picture of him and it ultimately it doesn't really matter what it was that he right. did Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Although I have to say that Denise couldn't be here today and she said, please, could you ask what that accident was about? Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. was so curious and yeah. she felt so unsatisfied yeah. that she didn't really get, you know, what what it was. And but we don't uh, get lots of background. We don't know so what happened true. to Margot. We don't I don't think we know happened we don't get to no. know what happened to Margot. Not really, do we? I don't think so. She had an accident. There's kind of a curtain to the past. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 In the, like Celeste, you know, how does she, you know, because she has a child she never sees, right? She's mm -hmm. from a village that's outside of Cuernavaca. Um, the, you know, the, the sister, she was married and now she's not father clark you know is mm -hmm. there somehow and you know the shenanigans he does <laughs> you know, yes. who knows who knows exactly. what that's about. um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. well poor denise she's not going to get any more insight. i know she knew yeah. she wasn't going to get an answer but she yeah. was excited and to fabio, try fabio had he been here wouldn't have given any anything exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah she was just commenting that she's so curious what that was but yeah 
Yeah. I'm going to ask one last question, Curtis, and then we're going to let you go. And it's yeah. uh, in you, you shared um, a, uh, an interview that you did with Asymptote, the wonderful, wonderful journal. And you were talking about poetry. And in the end, you said, we must have a reaction to a poem or it's just scribbles on a page. Mm. I think the same is true for novels. I think that if we're not reading kind of like Eduardo with some attention and taking something in, then we're just kind of like eating without chewing or swallowing. We're just, you know, regurgitating. And so I, this question is for everyone again um, here, but so if you had to sum it up, what was your reaction to this novel? What did you swallow and take in from this novel? It's a great question. Um, personally, I think it has to do with that, you know, what I've been talking about, you know, since the first question, thinking about what, what the, po the importance of poetry and mm -hmm. how it's, it has this transformative nature to it and and maybe what that is not just poetry but really attention to you know what you're saying attention to beauty of language attention to you know giving breath to what you're you know what is there and i feel like um once he started to think about what he was saying he changed Right. And once we start to think, I mean, if only more people thought about yes. what it is the hell they're saying, you know, <laughs> there would be so much change in our world. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go to this dark place, but, you know, I, I've obviously I'm thinking a lot about what happened in Texas last week and mm -hmm. and what happened, you know, in Houston at the NRA convention and the fact that. Yeah. You know, I, I watched a snippet of, of, um, of Trump's speech and I, you know, the, just that language, how empty the language is, but how, how there's such power behind that, that is so dangerous, right? It's like, I mean, it just. I don't know. I'm, I get really frustrated, obviously, and disturbed by it. But I, I feel like that might be something that's inside this novel, right? To think of, we can't just live kind of reading what's on the page, right? There, there has to be some sense, some feeling, some, some real emotion in, in it. And that's going to come out. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks. You know, I was really struck by the juxtaposition of this very serious aspects of the book, the violence, the, you know, the protection money that he had to pay and all that kind of stuff. And yet there was also a lot of kind of tongue-in-cheek humor to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think sometimes when you when you um, are reading something that that is is really touches on very serious aspects of life that that many of us face or or potentially face and then if it's when you when you have these little bits of humor it kind of um it, it doesn't trivialize it it just makes it i think a little bit easier to absorb and i, I that, that really struck mm -hmm. me about this novel yeah 
Yeah. True. Yeah. Kathy? Oh, I was going to I know that we've taken Curtis's hour. No, so no, you're okay. fine. You're fine. I'd, I'd love to hear two, what you what Two you more think seconds. Yeah. I loved how he told how Fabio was able to present in a great big giant IMAX screen of sort of all of Mexico or Cuernavaca society with just mm -hmm. these few people and those little oddball bits and pieces. I just loved the huge image that these little pieces created. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. like a kind of snapshot of these different members of society that created, yeah. Yeah, you know, like the pictures you see, I, I know there's a description for these. Is it a million tiny little photographs, but then you look and then it's an image? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, it's I, a little it, detail. It's sometimes it's those little details that, that really stick in your mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, I mean, he was talking about at one point, it's toward the end, you know, thinking about all of the walls. Mm -hmm. all of the walls in this city yes. and the the and how they're they're crumbling some of them are crumbling what that signifies right the mm -hmm. kind of symbolic meaning of well there are people on each side of those walls and the fact that they're crumbling does that i mean it's there aren't people there to care for them and mm -hmm. you know so all of this deterioration i think is is you know, again, pretty symbolic. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I that that kind of takes me in a lot of different directions of, you know, the stuff that goes on in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? Yeah, I think it's similar to to a lot of what's been said. But what I take from this is that there's always more. There's always more we can understand to a situation, you know, even just as we were talking here tonight or today, I was thinking about, um, I hadn't thought that, you know, how Eduardo's actions as portrayed in these odd little situations with the girl under the table, the inappropriateness with Margot's maid indicates, tells us something about his accident, you know, there's always more and there's more to characters and there's more to each of us. And we get these little snippets, like you say, Kathy, that forms a picture, mm -hmm. but, but what's behind it all. And that, you know, that comes from taking time and thinking about it and spending, you know, a bit of time with the book, with your own mm -hmm. thoughts and not just, um, yeah, just robotically reading it, even with a beautiful voice like Eduardo's, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. there's more, so much more. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Curtis. This has been really, oh, yes. really wonderful. It's been my pleasure. It's great. it's great to meet you all. Thank you for, thank you for reading.